Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. John Kelly here without Jeremiah Stringer. Jeremiah decided to bail on us tonight to go watch a UK basketball game. He got some free tickets. And we decided to let him go because we knew if he wasn't here, we could pick on him even more. And so uh, tonight's going to be a good night. We're excited to have everybody here. We've already been looking through these uh, comments. And uh, this is a great one. This is a, this is a deep cut right here from Jeff Peters. Uh, Garmeyer's Hiker Wrestling League, let the rumble begin. Uh, if you weren't here for the very first episode that we had Jeff Garmeyer on here, uh, we talked all about the Hiker Wrestling League and... I think we need to revisit that today because we got some guys that are newer to the game that weren't around back then who might be fun to put up against each other. I'm just saying. Uh, real quick, I want to say thank you to everybody last week who decided to give and help us out in providing money to help out with uh, the GoFundMe for Miss Trips, who is dealing with stage three breast cancer. Uh, she was completely overwhelmed last week with just the just the generosity of everybody who was on here so thank you guys for doing that uh, they've raised twelve thousand two hundred sixty one dollars so far last week we raised an additional about three hundred and seventy dollars to go towards that so uh we're gonna make sure that we get that to them this coming week and uh make sure that we do everything we can to help them provide them with the uh, finances they need to make some really long trips and to pay for some pretty expensive stuff in dealing with her cancer right now. And Trips, if you're on here, if you're not, whatever, we love you, and uh, we hope you heal up soon. Uh, tonight, we've got a couple great guests on here, two guys that have been on here before multiple times, but they've never been on here together. And the reason they're on here together tonight is because these two FKT hikers uh, actually joined forces to help Jason Wish do the trifecta of FKTs on the Sheltoe Trace. And so I want to bring those guys on right now, and that is Jeff Garmeyer, Jason Wish. How's it going, guys? Yeah, how's Great. it going, man? Man, it's good to have you guys on here. This is, it's so funny knowing the two of you because you are not the same kind of people. Like, Jeff <laughs> is kind of like running with a stroller and a dress, and, and Jason's – more of the like straight lace. I'm going after this this thing, and, and so the the idea of you two working together is just awesome. So how did this happen? How did you guys get together so that to help Jason trace FKT? Um, I think I had heard that I I must have been reading something he posted online that you were doing some coaching, and that was at the time I was probably 
five months out, four months out from my FKT start date. And I reached out to him and yes, he was coaching. So we set up a time to chat on the phone. It felt like a good fit and we decided to go with it and try it out. So, um, I think he, we, we worked together for about at least four months, maybe five. I can't remember now, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. It was easy working with Jeff. I really enjoyed it. Um, it helped me feel better prepared by being able to pick his brain on some of his FKT secrets that he uses to be successful. And, uh, you know, obviously it's the experience that I was after, you know, he's got so much valuable experience to share from all of his FKTs that he holds. And I knew that would be invaluable, uh, for me heading into this one, going supported because that's something I've never done. And, and I don't, know if you ever really went supported have you jeff i mean most of your stuff was unsupported self-supported type stuff right yeah i don't think i've gone supported i'd say it's close kind of what we went for a strategy for the shell toey was similar to sort of how i did have done like cocodona the last three years and how it's like these pit stops and keep moving type of thing so took some of that 200 mile uh, racing mindset, applied it to FKTs, and then threw in sort of the FKT tips and tricks along with it. And uh, yeah, I started coaching some uh, athletes around the first of the year and have slowly grown that and a lot on the longer side of things, like um, a lot in the 100 mile plus category racing, and then a number of FKTs this year. So really trying to bridge that gap because it's so similar between ultra running and trail races and fkts and stuff too and share some of that experience and i would say we actually probably are pretty similar in our drive and focus on going after something i remember jason tried a 100 mile fkt about a month or so before the shell toey and um didn't end that well, but he came back like two or three days later with this like really driven resolve for the Sheltoe. And for since I'd talked to him on the phone about coaching, that was like the A goal. So he was right back on that even after uh, um, falling down a little bit. So I have that same resolve. And I think that's, that's where uh, the commonality really lies. Whether he races in a dress or not, that's up to him. But we have a lot in common, at least by the, the mindset and that relentless drive. Well, all I know yeah. is, is yeah, I would, that's one. I'll say I would 100% agree with that because I've talked to Jason before about these things. And I've seen Jason shortly after an FKT. And, <laughs> and seeing Jason shortly after one and just normal Jason are two completely different people. Cause you can see that the kind of drive you'd have to have to even do one of these things is insane because of how beat up you are at the end of one. Cause that that's the thing I think that's impressive about both of you and doing these things is the beating that you have to give your bodies to, uh, to be able to do something like this is insane. Um, Jason, you'd already had two FKT attempts on the shell toey. Why a third? Well, uh, well, I held two FKTs on the Shell Toey. The, the self-supported was in 2019. The unsupported, 2021. And then in 2022, I tried to go for supported last November, and I failed. That was because of some inclement weather came in, and we had to abort. I was 111 miles in. So it's been eating at me for a year to get back out there and conquer this thing once and for all. And to be honest with you, I think the trifecta 
having held all three FKT categories on the Sheltoe Trace almost means as much to me as having the overall fastest time. Because I know that overall is going to get beat eventually. Someone's going to come out there that's a really great ultra runner and is going to have a great crew and they're going to have perfect weather and they're going to go low fives. I think even on the best of days of the right person, it's, it's possible to go sub five on that trail. I'm not capable of doing that, and I have no desire to ever go back and try to beat my time. But um, and by sub five, you're meaning five days, I got right? That, yeah, yeah. I think someone can go out there and get low fives pretty easy. I was wow. on pace to get five and a half. I should have got five and a half, but you know, we'll get into a little bit more of this in a little bit. Uh, there was a lot of things that happened along the way that um, almost took me out of it. But uh, uh, real quick, I wanted to back up. You know, one of the things that appealed to me about working with Jeff was knowing that he is recently beginning into all these ultra races, these hundred milers in the Coca Dona 250. You know, getting that experience behind you, and and being able to share that with me because I was going supported. That was really what I was looking for. I feel like I had kind of knew what I was doing on the self-supported and unsupported side of things, but being able to run for six days straight. That's where I needed to get the proper training, more training, more experience from someone that was doing a lot of running. And that, you know, and, and Jeff has been doing that. So, yeah, well, it was I'll, a great experience. Can I show something that gives an example of what it's like to be an ultra runner? <laughs> I, I may You're have right. clipped a little video from, uh, from <laughs> Jeff's Instagram. I want to show people what it looks like to be an ultra runner, if that's okay. Check this out, guys. I think that's one of the greatest Instagram reels in in all time. Um, talk to me a little bit, Jeff, about what it's like uh, on these ultra runs that you're doing and and uh, the beating you take. Because I know just seeing pictures from different guys, not just yourself but others, it's brutal. What makes you do this? Well, it's kind of like a puzzle to figure out what is going to make you successful and it's built on a lot of failures too or small failures and i think everyone has something that they is usually an achilles heel and from that video you could probably tell mine's usually nutrition or uh, the stomach holding out while trying to push a pace so i just love the puzzle aspect of it and it's the one place when you're an adult where it's competitive but it's like fun competitive you're not so much rooting for everyone else to fail more so you're going after your own times and like doing as well as you can so you can put on uh like last a week ago i raced a hundred miler in a a kilt so you know it's uh you can kind of show your personality in it you can't go play tennis or pickleball and that kind of thing without getting laughed off the court so i kind of like that and the reason to keep going back is it's a pretty defined like feeling on how well you did like if you feel like you executed or not or did well and then there's always something to fix so that kind of drives you to keep building on top of that and you know go after it and try to either be faster feel better go for longer and there's so many different types of races and they're everywhere now it's pretty cool way to have a more stable job and a life and still do things on the trails and outside where a through hike is a little harder to pull off with having a normal house and rent and stuff too right so fkts or or ultras it's kind of where it is now it's basically all you got time for 
yeah we'll we'll see i gotta sneak some more some more through hikes in but yeah it, it's hard <laughs> oh yeah totally and 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 jason um you've got some pictures in here can we, can we show those of your of your shell toey trace hike that you just did yeah um, yeah i can kind of describe what's happening when you show the pictures here or what it, okay. what was going on or okay so this is uh the day before we started the night before we started that little red cabin had uh, a little bathroom and a shower in it and a place to lay two cots on the floor so uh jordan burns from red river gorge area and i both slept in there he was the one that was crew me um on day one well he was there the whole week but he was the only one that was there on day one the other two guys didn't show up till day two so there's the northern terminus uh moments before heading into the darkness but it was already 7 a.m believe it or not so it was just dark oh, wow. out still so this is day three um my first three days i was able to run almost the entire thing you know a slow run i was getting i got 60 miles pretty much all three days and then i i did had some kind of injury right there on my uh lower shin upper upper ankle that kept swelling and it went all the way into my toes we i really struggled with this we had we iced it you know it's hard you know the guys are running to get ice in town when the ice would run out in the cooler so you know that was kind of a pain getting ice i had epsom salts with me um obviously i'm taking ibuprofen um and john harden reached out to me or i actually reached out to him john harden is the was the previous fastest known time holder and he said start taking extra vitamin c and jello gelatin so really? I, I didn't know what form of gelatin to get so i just picked up a, a case of jello and was pumping jello and uh vitamin c into my body and i think it actually helped you know i don't know if it was that or that in a combination of ice and vitamin i but uh we were able to get it under control enough that i was able to keep on speed walking um for the majority of the, the trail so yeah every time i got to an aid station i would let the guys would have a little table or in the in the mats on the on the ground for me and i'd prop my foot up and i would eat my bowl of soup or pierogies or you know sandwiches whatever they had whatever i had requested ahead of time and you know that made the aid stops a little longer than i wanted you know uh we were talking about this earlier the guys have maps out even though i had all the aid stations all put on uh spreadsheets you know where they had they're having to look at the map every now and then just to figure out where's the best place to stop next you know five or seven miles down the road but those are the three guys right there we got leonidas on the right and uh chris simonson on the left he was just there for three days and then jordan burns there in the middle him and leonidas were there for the entire six days from start to finish uh this is the red river gorge suspension bridge crossing so if you look up at the very top middle area you can see the cables of the suspension bridge the planks have all been removed but it was an easy crossing you know we had to get our feet wet but on a supported hike you know you're changing shoes anytime you need to i had like seven pairs of shoes so just walk through the water. It was about five inches, six inches deep there on the deepest spot. And then I uh, had a new pair of shoes a couple miles down the trail. And there's the finish. I was completely exhausted on the Burt Mill Bridge. That was the most, Jeff, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the most glorious feeling on earth when you've completed and reached your, completed something that long and reached your goal. I'm sure you felt the exact same way after all your 100 milers, and especially the Cocodona. And you probably said you're never, never going to do it again. And yep, there's a barefoot bubbly. Yeah, I had to be careful when I pulled the pop the cork out on that. I had to make sure I didn't hit Colonel in the eye. He's always worried it's going to shoot and hit him in the face there when he's filming me. There's nice. the crew, uh, minus Chris. Uh, 
colonel is there on the right. He wasn't part of the crew, but he was uh, there to drive me home. So that's yeah. awesome. Great that's moment. awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you guys had a great time out there. I mean, it sounds like they had a great time watching you be miserable. Um, so let me you bring know, you guys. No, they back were miserable too. What's that? I said those guys were had pretty miserable moments too. Oh, really? It's, crew life is not easy. Oh man, crew life is tough. I mean, well, tell, sure tell us about crew life firsthand. a little bit. Yeah, these guys. I was paced probably. I'm just picking a number off a random number. 75, 80 percent of the time. I might do the first 10 miles in the morning alone because they had to break down their camps and my camp. Right. Um, they're, they're driving to a new trailhead every seven miles or whatever, and then getting waiting for me, playing the waiting game and cooking food and getting it all out. And then at camp every night, setting up my entire camp, their entire camp. And these guys are running on fumes because we're up around the clock. Um, I'm only sleeping like in one or two hours a night. So yeah, the, I even got a... There was a couple times I was even a little demanding and not on purpose. It's just because you get in your tent, you have limited time to sleep. So you need everything there. So when you're with a new crew, you know, on day one and two, you're kind of figuring things out. So I was like, uh, you know, guys, this is what I want in my tent at the end of the night or when I get there. And they had, they did a great job. They had everything in there and, and I'm getting in there, getting changed, getting ready to sleep. And, you know, they're all 50 yards away setting up their camps finally. And it's pitch black, you know, it might be 11 o'clock at night. And I realized, oh crap, they forgot my water. They forgot my, my body glide. Oh, do I yell at them right now to get it or I just go to sleep? And so I'm barking orders out of my tent, yelling at the top of my lungs, guys, body glide, water. Because <laughs> I, I need to get to sleep ASAP. So they know they run that stuff over and they got better and better throughout the week. They started having everything ready for me. And I would try to get some shut eye as fast as possible. And then in the morning, they would have breakfast for me. It was usually like a protein shake that I had told them how to make. I gulp that thing down and just hit the trail and leave everything behind. That's what's great about a supported hike, man. You don't have to pack all your gear up. You could just get up and go. And they have all that trash and camp set up to tear down and pack up and hurry up down the road to the next aid stop. And they're running on fumes. Like Leonidas thought he was going to fall asleep at the end of the, at the Southern terminus driving to the Southern terminus. Cause, uh, okay. and he actually had to have Colonel get in there and drive. So they're up almost as long as I am maybe more well, here's because a they're preparing things ahead of time. Well, here's a question for yeah. you from Kentucky backpacker. He wants to know, is there a particular reason you go southbound during your FKT attempts? On the Sheltoe, I think it's slightly set up better for southbound. I think there might be a little more blazes. Um, elevations irrelevant the elevation change from north and south terminus is pretty irrelevant yeah um it's easier in the first half and i like to just bust out some high miles and get those out of the way but some people would say the opposite do the hard mileage the harder stuff at the beginning starting south and then just cruise it on in on the easy stuff in the north well let so me ask you this know. let me ask you this with an fkt because i've I'm, I'm never going to do one uh, just being honest with you, it's not happening. Not with that um, attitude. You're not right. With that attitude. You're right. My attitude is terrible. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I just think, in my mind, I would think you would want it for the sake of not getting into a bad space in your head. I would want to go a little easier at the beginning to get myself moving and get along a certain way, and then, and then I think I would be better off mentally to deal with the hard stuff at the end than I would if I dealt with it all at the beginning. Does that make sense, or is that a crazy way of thinking? What do you think, Jeff? 
So you want the hard stuff at the end? Is that what you're saying, or the beginning? I, I would want it at the end. I think if I had it at the beginning, I would, I would have a better chance of just getting discouraged really quick. Whereas yeah, I could get I, a pace think, going and then put the hard stuff at the end. Yeah, I think it's really hard at the beginning because you have to get in such a mindset and there's so many miles to go. It's pretty hard mentally and then it turns to hard physically and mentally. So maybe <laughs> it is nice to get a chunk under you at the beginning, but that also makes it hard because it's too easy to go too hard at this start too. So I don't know that there's one way to do any of these. That's why there's attempts both directions for almost every trail. Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. Well, hey, real quick, I want to get some questions. Want to get some of the uh, comments in here? I've been kind of collecting them as we go. Um, we've got thank you to everyone. This is from Miyagi down in Texas right now for surgery on Thursday with trips. So as we said before, prayers, thoughts are going out to you guys. Uh, love you too so much. Uh, Salmon Outdoors, they're both FKT beasts. So big, big props to you too. And this one, this one, I think it became um, kind of a comment that kept going here. So uh, the real colonel gets on here and says, wait, is Jeremiah really skipping because of the merch thing from before and he's just ashamed to not have it? Correct. Uh, Jeff, could you let everybody know kind of the little bet we had going on last time you were on here? Yeah, I uh, knew it would probably be, you know, 11 months or a year. And so I thought it would be this really realistic chunk of time for Jeremiah to get some merch for all you awesome listeners and fans. And that I was just doing my part, trying to get him to support the community that supports him. And uh, so I made the bet with him that he would have to get merch by the night or have merch available by the next time that I was on. And here we are. And I haven't followed too religiously, but it doesn't seem like there's any merch out there yet. There is not merch. And people have taken notice of this. Uh, Travis Danek says, I hope I'm saying that last name right. Uh, convenient that Jeremiah isn't here with his merch. Um, also, Steve Wright says, Jeremiah skipped out because he ain't got no merchandise and he can't face these guys without being in shame. So, <laughs> Jeremiah, man, I'm starting to wonder if this UK game is for real. I don't know, man. I think it could be something else. There were some other comments coming in, too. We've got the I'd Rock and SKT, the slowest known time. That's my jam. Uh, we've got I can nice do right now. <laughs> we got the I can do an FKT fattest known time. That's from that hiking guy. Um, and then it, and then we come back to uh, I respect ultra runners. That's some hardcore stuff. Now, Jeff, you've done a lot of this. Jason, are you thinking about doing any of this uh, ultra running stuff? I've uh, done about six Have you? races. I've run about 350Ks, 150-miler, and two 100-mile attempts that ended at mile 83 both times. Wow. I didn't know you'd done I still, that. I still got to complete my – I still need to complete a 100-miler. Wow. So, uh, well, here's a great question for both of you guys. Uh, when you do an FKT, how much food do you eat every hour, and how much water do you drink to keep yourself from bonking? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. A good plan is maybe in that 200, 200 to 300 calories an hour realm, but it's really terrain dependent. It can be altitude dependent. Water is very temperature dependent. So I don't know. It's really hard. This is where the best experience is going out there and 
playing around with some fast packing or I have a lot of um, through hikers that are transitioning into trying ultras or FKTs do fixed time stuff because then you're in this controlled environment where every hour you hit an aid station. So it's really hard to want to give blanket advice to this. I eat a lot less than some people, but drink more water. So it's it's really all over the map. And nutrition is is really tricky the faster you go and the longer you go, as I know Jason has found out too. Yeah, Jason, you had an issue sure. with electrolytes on the trail. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, on, th on day three, I actually, it might've been day four, you know, cause I ran the first three days and I was, I was on schedule to reach my goal of five and a half days. And then the, the swelling started from, I don't know if I injured my leg or what, but I was having some serious foot muscle pain and I've had this problem in 2021 going unsupported, but I just, figured it was because I was carrying a 35 pound pack, you know, going unsupported. This time I had no weight, you know, a lot of the guys, a lot of the times the guys were even muling my pack. So I was wearing nothing, but at the very, at least I was at times I was wearing my, my two flasks on my running vest. So hardly any weight at all. So it, I couldn't say it was from that, but uh, yeah, the foot muscle pain was so intense that I couldn't run anymore. And I was like, my walk was even getting slow and it would always happen at the end of the day. So I didn't know if it was just weak feet muscles or what, but I've never had foot, foot muscle pain on anything during under a hundred mile or never once. So why was it happening on this? And, and it dawned on me going through the Cumberland falls area. I ran out of electrolytes and cause it was a six hour um, trek through there. And I think after about four hours, I ran out of almost everything and I knew we were almost to an aid stop at the Cumberland Falls Visitor Center. And I just had to push through that last hour and a half or whatever it was with nothing. And all of a sudden my foot pain went away, just on like a turn on a dime, completely went away. And I was able to run full blast past Leonidas and was flying towards Cumberland Falls Visitor Center. And it dawned on me right then that I think I'm having too many electrolytes, too much salt. And it was causing foot pain. I don't know. It's like Jeff was saying, it's one of these things that just you figure out with time. And I don't have enough time to keep going back to the Sheltoe over and over and over to figure this out. Right, right. <laughs> that's what my guess was. That was my guess. It had to be uh, overload because when you do a 100 mile ultra or less or even 50 milers, you can, you can chug the tailwind and electrolytes and pop salt tabs every hour all the way through that because you're done in a matter of hours, you know, 6 to 10, 12 hours, you're done this is different. You know, you're out there 15 to 20 hours a day on the move drinking electrolytes. And at some point, I think you get too much, especially if you're not sweating a lot because the temperatures were a little bit cooler. Like Jeff was saying, you know, it, the amount of water you drink is dependent on the temperatures and how much you're sweating often. So yeah, very strange. It's still something I'm trying to figure out. I'm sure there's someone out there that could answer that question for me better, but yeah, it was excruciating foot pain. And I basically had to walk this FKT in the final three days. I might, I might have a few little short jogs here and there, but I was just, it, it made time on feet be 20 to 22 hours instead of running for 15 to 18 and getting a good night's sleep. Instead, I had to just walk longer and sleep less. And that was the only way I was able to reach my, pretty much reach my goal, you know, getting that six days, six day range. We had a nutritionist on here a few months ago, and, and one of her things that she said was the biggest problem is that people drink these electrolyte drinks when they don't need them. She said it can do a lot of damage to you 
if you're not careful. So that was just interesting when you were you were actually doing like these little shorts, these little real quick little live things on YouTube oh, yeah. during your hike. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to catch all of them, but I did catch that one. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, man, she wasn't kidding because you you could tell looking at you, you were in some very serious pain. Uh, it was written all over your face that you were not feeling really comfortable at that point. It has a name. Hype. It might be hypomitremia or something like that. Jeff, are you familiar with this at all? Like, have you seen anything like this yeah. happen with all your long distance Cocodona stuff? Yeah, I've had it a lot more on the opposite side, though, without having enough electrolytes. When I first entered ultra running, I didn't know too much about that balance, or I mostly didn't know about salt pills, but I have heard of too much salt. I haven't personally dealt with that, just the opposite, but it's fairly common in the longer stuff, and I've heard of it leading to, yeah, people messing up their stride and messing up their muscles from it, too, so it it certainly is pretty serious. Yeah, and and I'm just glad you came out okay, man, because that's some scary stuff when uh, your body starts betraying you like that. Yeah, and it, it's amazing to me the highs and lows you go through in something like this. You feel it a little bit in a 100-miler, at least the ones I attempted. And I remember feeling it this way on my previous two Sheltoe attempts. But, man, you go into some deep, dark places, when, and you get down, and you're in that pain cave. And, man, it's hard. It's nice to have a good crew to help pull you up out of that. But, man, when you're in more of those highs, it's like the runner's high feeling you hear about. Oh, it's glorious. It's so fantastic. And you just feel like you're invincible and nothing can stop you. And you feel so optimistic and positive. And then all of a sudden it's just gone. It's like, where'd it go? <laughs> and you're, you go down again. So it's like a roller coaster ride for six straight days. And, and something else that I haven't talked about a lot in some other presentations I've done is my weight loss. I mentioned this to Jeff. Coming into this thing, I was pretty happy with my weight. I was down about 10 pounds just from a busy season of farming and sweating all summer and running 35, 40 miles a week. It's hard to maintain your weight. You got to eat constantly. I mean, I have a high metabolism already, but I was eating constantly. And then you go put yourself through the ringer for six days on 350 miles. And I dropped another four pounds and I'm finally getting some of it back. But man, it's been a slow go for the last, for 10 days. It took me 10 days to finally turn the corner and feel like I'm getting my energy levels back. I was just like wanting to lay around with no motivation. Yeah, it's amazing. So it feels I, good I can't to imagine. finally... Yeah. I can't even imagine. You were talking you were talking earlier about highs. That brings me right into Miyagi's question here. He says, curious about any hallucinations Jason and Jeff may have experienced during their attempts. I know Jeff has a bunch to talk about on this. I've heard some of his stories, but I I didn't ha- have I anything like that on this one. I have had some weird things that I've seen in the bushes and weeds and on the leaves during my unsupported in 2021, but not this time. I was lucid. Is that the right word? I was yeah. coherent yeah. and normal the entire time. But yeah, I bet Jeff could tell an hour worth of stories on his hallucinations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one through line that I have is when I was like five or six years old, the movie Jumanji came out and I was had a lot of nightmares about that safari guy with the gun in it. And now in the past five, six, seven years of doing FKTs and these types of efforts, I've had a safari guy come out a lot of different times and just be like perched on stumps, perched in the bushes. It can be in Arizona in the desert. It can be on the John Muir trail. It can be in up North or in the snow or anywhere, but 
it's like there's a safari guy that just starts popping out places and it's <laughs> it's not really a nightmare but it's pretty strange and connecting it back to my first nightmares that i can remember is pretty strange <laughs> <laughs> so he just keeps popping back up like just randomly uh when you're doing your yep. runs yep day or night that guy's always there it's like i got a buddy on the trail pushing me forward <laughs> that's awesome that is awesome so okay so both of you guys you've done the you've done the, the fkts you've done through hikes you've done ultra races but there's one thing jeff that you've done that i want to see jason try and do and that's the barkley marathon what do you think jason i don't think i would i don't think i would ever qualify or be invited to something like that i don't have a a big enough repertoire and of FKTs behind me and ultras to do that. Oh, come on. I don't man. know enough about the Barclays. It seems awfully strange. Even if I was asked to go, I mean, you look at these guys that are world-class ultra runners, they make it one or two laps some years and it's over. It just doesn't make sense to me. That it's just sounds strange. like it's right up your alley, man. I'm just saying, I'm what just is saying. The deal with, I don't understand the book, the book page thing. What is that all about that? You got to go find. So you have a bib number. Book. You have a bib number, say you're number 20, and every all of the 13 books that you navigate to with Map and Compass, you have to tear out page 20 to prove that you made it to that checkpoint on the course. So it it is pretty pretty crazy and pretty insane and maybe pretty stupid, but I mean, haven't you done the FKT on the same trail three times too? Yeah, you make a good point. I want to know um when you're going to do a last man standing or back i know you've done some you've done the backyard altar thing haven't you i've done two oh, I know last you've done some silly mile thing okay yeah so what what is the back to... what is a backyard ultra so in a normal race it's either a fixed time where you race for a certain amount of time or a certain amount of miles and in a backyard ultra you don't know either of those so you show up and you run 4.1 miles on the hour every hour until everyone except for one person has quit. So this year they just wrapped up about a week and a half ago and the winner was Harvey Lewis and he went 108 laps, which is 440 miles or 450 miles. What? Yeah. 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 He didn't sleep for five, what was it, four and a half days. Yeah, the most he could have got was like some seven-minute naps. Yeah, man, you've got so to be you have competitive to, be back to do that. Corral. You run this four-mile loop, four-point-one-mile loop, and you you know you can do it as fast as you want. Most guys are coming in at like that forty-five, fifty minutes, and you got ten minutes. You can sit down, eat, go to the bathroom, try to sleep, treat your feet. They they blow the whistle. You're back up there. Everybody starts at the same time for another lap, over and over and over for four and a half days that and is 75 crazy. of the world's greatest athletes were came together for this for the 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 ultimate what i don't know what you call it the world uh the world's greatest ultra well, athletes you know yeah championship uh the best moment of it though was when second place he started the 108th i believe they call them rounds so the 108th round and he quit and walked back and like he'd broken the record. These two guys had gone further than anyone had ever done it. He got second. He's from Canada and he apologized for not being able to make it further to everyone like watching and it's being live streamed. And he's just like, 
I'm sorry, I just don't want to do damage to my body. I don't think I can go any further. And it's like, dude, you've gone like 440 something miles. Like, no need to apologize, but it was pretty hilarious. Oh my gosh. Uh, Girl Plus Dog Adventures said, that's that's borderline torture to me. Sounds slightly illegal, but totally legit. Um, wh- When did these start happening? I've, I, how have I not even heard of these things? The uh, creator of the Barkley Marathon started this concept. And so uh, it's his thing and it's blown up. There's there's probably one near you if you're on here. And if you're a through hiker, you got a pretty good chance. You just got to jog a little bit of it and you can just power hike the rest of it. And it's one of the most controlled ways to get to 100 miles in 24 hours because you're forced to only do four miles an hour. I love this. Uh, Miyagi goes up, but there's some great poop stories coming out of that event. Oh yeah. (laughs) I can't even imagine. Oh my gosh. Okay. So Jason, you think you're going to do one of those? I don't think so. You know, this summer I ran a, um, (laughs) the late summer I ran a, a a 16 mile ultra. It was just a small one um, nearby my hometown. It was in Columbus. And they had a backyard ultra going on at the same time. I wasn't able to enter it because it was during farmer's market season and I do farmer's markets on Saturdays, but it was, it was all, it started Friday night and went through the night all day Saturday. And there was maybe 50, 30, 40 people that entered it and they only made it like a 20, 20, 30 laps, something like that. You know, they didn't know it was under hundred miles. I think the winner only went like a 70 some miles. So I feel like I might have had a chance at, at one of those. I, that's, that seems plenty far to me. I wouldn't want to do one for hundreds and hundreds of miles. No way. 400 miles. I'm still like trying to grasp 400 miles nonstop, like running every hour. That well, just... the craziest thing about it is that you enter it and you don't know how long you're going to be going, how many miles you're going to be going out there. Like guys were a little, getting worried. I know the photographer who was out at the event, he was worried he was going to miss his flight because it went for five days. Like his flight was coming up. Like you can't even plan for this. Cause you don't know how many days it's going to go. Literally. <laughs> That's nuts. That is absolutely nuts. I, like I said, I've never, I didn't even know something like that existed. So, okay. So how do you train for something like that? Is there a way to train for something like that? Uh, I mean, there's like a lot of things you can do, but a lot of the training is going to be based on, just being able to move slow enough and consistently enough for that long. Ironically, the like now very popular Goggins challenge is a pretty solid way to train for that, where you're making your body move every four hours or so. So you just have to be able to kind of sink into a 11 minute mile pretty easily. And that's kind of the key to training for that. And then from there, you just got to be able to turn your mind off because all the things you usually have answers to on a run, like how far you're going or how long it's going to be, you have no answers. So wow. it's such a mental thing. It's so very little is physical. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. Well, let me ask you guys this. What What's the next move for you guys? Like what's what's your next FKT ultra race? What, what do you guys got coming up? I'm still in recovery mode. I have <laughs> nothing in the works right now. Um, I was going to tell Jeff this earlier, but I feel like I'm finally maybe able to think about going on a little jog. I didn't know how much time to take off. Yeah. That was something I was going to ask you. I, I, after 350 miles, I feel like you almost need to take off three weeks. 
I finally have walked two days of a mile back to back yesterday and the day before. Um, I got a little pain issue with my kneecap, so I feel like I can't really go out and start training yet. So I'm just trying to get fully recovered, get back into the weightlifting and rest and enjoy some off season of farming. But I, if I was feeling better, I was just talking about this with my wife the other day. I think I would probably want to go back and try to tackle that 100 miler that I failed on twice in the Alleghenies. It's, it's the NCT North Country Trail portion through the Allegheny National Forest in PA. It's 100 miles. And that's where I failed twice. And it's, that's eaten away at me a little bit. So there's a little part of me that maybe would try to still go back and conquer that one. Because I submitted it on the FKT site and they approved it, that route. So that route is there just waiting for someone to grab it. No one's done it yet. So I've noticed, I've noticed but you're, I, I don't, you're big on that. You're big on to. redemption. Like you want to go back and, and get the things that you like yeah. that competitive spirit in you does not like leaving something undone. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But at the same time, when I'm in the middle of it, getting ready to fail, when I see the incoming, I know I can't go on because something's happened. I'm like, yeah. why am I doing this? Why I got, I have a whole list of trails just waiting to be backpacked on. I got a whole list of rivers waiting to be kayaked. Why am I torturing myself when I could be enjoying all these things? And this brings <laughs> me to another point. People always ask me, Jason, why don't you ever slow down and smell the roses? I got two things to say about that. Well, first of all, I do. You just don't always know about it and see it. I do slow down and smell the roses. Uh, think about how much more of a trail you can see over a weekend. If you're a weekend warrior and you want to just go out and hike five or 10 miles each night and enjoy your trip, that's great. You saw five or 10 miles of a trail. Me and Jeff would go out and see 50, 60 miles of that same trail and enjoy a lot more scenery. Right. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> One way to look at it. There you go. There you go. What about you, Jeff? What do you got coming up? Um, I'm in a bit, probably taking like a two week or three week off season here. I just finished the hundred miler about a week ago. And then um, I'm going to do Cocodona 250 in May. And I was kind of thinking about going for the Florida Trail FKT, but I haven't mentioned that anywhere yet. Ooh. So thinking about that in maybe late Ooh. December, somewhere in there. Hot take. Hot take. That's this is this is the first it's wow. been spoken about. Look at that. Well, so so uh, have you done the Florida Trail before? Or will this this be the first time you've been on it? First time I've been on it. Yeah, I uh, have a couple, few athletes who got some pretty cool FKTs this year and just have been wanting to uh, go after something. That's cool. That's cool. And I know you've got. Like, sounds like a good one. Yeah, I was going to say on that one, you've got, what, anacondas and gators and all kinds of fun stuff to deal with on that one. You mean just nutrition? Yeah, there you go. There you go. You're hungry. It's just <laughs> waiting for you. Okay. Yeah, I thought that'd be a fun adventure for, for the winter because winters are kind of tough here in Montana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The winters are horrible in Montana. <laughs> Being in Florida is probably going to be really nice for you. Yeah, so we'll we'll see if that comes together. Trying to make myself rest for a couple weeks and then ramp back up, but that sounds pretty fun. Oh yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, we got Jeremiah <laughs> getting beat up again. Here it comes. If Jeremiah does not get on the kiss cam at that game, he probably isn't really there. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. I got and a then, question uh, for you, Don. What's that? Well, 
I got a question for you. What if yeah. the Buckeyes opener was tonight and you had free tickets? The problem here's the problem with that. The Buckeyes free first opener would be three and a half hours away. By the time he found out he had those tickets, I wouldn't have been able to make it to the game anyway. So uh, uh yeah. I'd probably have to skip out now if I knew a week in advance. Um I'd find a new guest host or Jeremiah would be doing this just to be honest. Cause come on now it's the Buckeyes, bro. Um, Logan Boy. Crawford gets on here. The first thing he says is now just now got here. Did Jeremiah have merch? <laughs> Logan, Man, I hate you want to say it. No, your listeners have great memories. Wow. I'll tell you, man. They, so a couple years ago we did a uh, giveaway at the end of the year, just gave stuff away. And we asked random little questions about stuff that has happened during the course of the show over the years. And every single question got answered. It was insane. We could not believe just that people knew this stuff. So they pay, they actually know more about us. I think than Jeremiah and I know about ourselves sometimes. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, okay. So guys, I asked you earlier when we were talking, I said, we always do poop stories on here. So, Guys, you got any good new poop stories to share with us? You guys do a lot of hiking, so. And with what you do, you don't always have time to stop and take your time to do the dose. So why don't you guys share with us a little bit of your stories? You want me to go first? Sure, go, go for, for it, man. man. All right. Uh, only a few people know about this one. I'm a little embarrassed to tell this one because I'm, I'm, a, leave, I'm a big believer in leave no trace now. And right. and digging proper six inch deep cat holes. Um, I would even, you know, I, I know backpacking with Jason sir disagrees with me on this one, but I would even use a wag bag if I had to, I don't have a problem with stuff like that. But at the same time, I grew up on a farm doing it wherever I wanted to, anytime I wanted to, and never buried it once because it was my land and I didn't right. feel any different than an animal deer and raccoon doing it all over the woods. What's the difference? Now on a hiking trail, I understand. And now that I'm a backpacker, I understand the leave no trace principles. So this, this happened in 2021 and I didn't, I don't think I've ever told the story on any on your podcast, but, uh, so it wasn't, this isn't a recent story from this one, but this was from the, my unsupported in 2021. I was all alone hiking through the red river gorge and it was pouring down rain and I had the urge. So fortunately in Red River Gorge, as you know, there's some decent rock overhangs that the trail goes underneath to help shelter you from the rain, right? Right. And in these rock overhangs, there's often a dry, dusty floor and nice looking flat flagstones, almost like a walking, walking path in, of some sorts in some places. So I'm out of the rain. I got a nice stone sitting right there and I'm, I'm not gonna dig a cat hole in this dry, hard, dust of ground in this in this uh, almost like a cave looking thing so i i do my business on top of this little flagstone and then i uh proceed to pick it up and look to my left and there's a uh, a nice size drop off and it off into the abyss <laughs> and i think there's a term for this in the rock climbing community um someone correct me if i'm wrong i think it's uh mud hawk mud, mud falcon <laughs> So I, I, that was my, my uh, way of throwing a mud falcon off the uh, ledge into the abyss at Red River Gorge. So there's my story. I feel <laughs> okay, bad so, about doing it, but, you know, in the sake of an FKT, it had to be done. 
Well, let me say this. It, you're, you're saying you picked it up. What does okay, picking up your stone. poop mean? Are we talking barehanded, <laughs> or was there toilet paper at least involved in this? Where's I my think the stone. There? I picked up the flagstone. The flagstone was at least a foot in diameter. Okay, oh, a okay. flat rock. A flat rock. It's all on the rock. And then mud falcon <laughs> over the edge. Never to be seen again. Wow. Wow. That's good, man. That's real good. That's real good. good. Jeff, what do you got for us, man? Well, um, I got two for you. One's quick to go back to earlier. In uh, I did one of those last person standing ones, and mine lasted about 30 hours. And inevitably, when you're out there 30 hours, you have to poop. And so you really have to, in the, the loops leading up to it, like one or two of them, you got to kind of plan like, okay, I'll take a real slow one. So I'll be rested. And then once it starts, the uh, porta potties were about a hundred yards into it. So I ran pretty much sprinted to the porta potty and you, you just make the quickest work possible of that thing. And it, we're talking like three, four minutes here. You're doing best cleanup job you can in the dark. Cause it's dark out. And then you're flying out of that porta potty. Meanwhile, all the other people running in the last person standing are halfway around the loop. So you're like 80 miles into this uh, event and you're trying to do like a seven minute mile because you used all your bonus time uh, pooping. <laughs> and so that's sort of how the, the poop lap goes, as, as I like to call it. And then my other story <laughs> is my friend who uh, through hiked the Arizona Trail. And his name is Day Four because it was his first time backpacking, and he did not poop until Day Four. Wow, wow, yep. that's impressive. <laughs> I bet you there's a lot of stories out there of people who don't feel comfortable, and so they feel very uncomfortable carrying that for a few days. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, I mean I was that way when I first got into backpacking. I wasn't real excited about pooping in a hole somewhere. Of course, the first time I did, I didn't have any place to do that, so I ended up pooping in a ditch on the side of the road, but that's for another day. Um, <laughs> so, so Jeff, last time you were on here, man, we, we, we discussed, well, I guess it was a couple times ago, maybe, but we discussed the uh, Backpacker Wrestling League, and we talked about mm. this like uh, big event we wanted to put on, maybe get it sponsored by Mountain Dew or something, and... Uh, We'll uh, have all of the famous YouTube backpackers get in the ring with each other and, and have a wrestling match. Um, I think we headlined it with, uh, I think it was Dixie and Darwin going in an intergender <laughs> match. Yeah, but, maybe. <laughs> but Dixie just got married, so I wonder if we don't do it a mixed tag match and we put Dixie and her husband in there against Darwin and his wife. Wow, that would be pay-per-view viewing there. I, I think so. I think so. The question is, Jeff, and this is the question we need to answer tonight before we're done, because we just got a few minutes left. Who does Jason Wish wrestle in his match mm. in this pay-per-view? And is he in the pre-show, or does he make it to the big show? I think he's on the, the main card, but maybe right at the beginning of that main card. You know how there's like five primetime fights? He might yeah. be that first primetime fight. Yeah, I think you're right. Now we just got to figure out who he goes against. 
I mean, I kind of want to put Jeremiah in there as punishment for this lack of merch. Oh, yeah, we could do that. It'd be Yosemite Sam versus the Mud Falcon. It would be fantastic. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I'm only saying it because uh, the real Colonel said great trail name for Jason would be the Mud Falcon. That's terrible. And That's I'm terrible. starting to think I don't ever want to hear that again. That is going to be Jason's trail name from here on out. <laughs> That is yep. terrible. Trail names choose you. Uh, he's, he's right about that. He's right about that. Here's another one to think about. What about Wish versus Wall? Jason Wish versus Man, Jason, Jason Wall. Wall. I, Jason Wall used to be uh, into MMA. Yeah. I don't understand a chance. He might actually hurt you. Maybe he would be Jeremiah's manager. Mr. Backpacking with Dad would go in there with his son Jeremiah and be the manager. <laughs> would that would so would Jason so would Jeff be your manager then? Maybe. He comes out in a dress with a stroller, and in the stroller's <laughs> like a tennis racket, and that's what he hits Jeremiah with, so you can get the one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this this would be really exciting if we could make this happen. We've got to figure just, out a way to make violence more prevalent in the backpacking industry. That's all I'm saying. You just walk in with your through hiking kit and anything inside you can pull out and use as part of that match. Oh yeah. Make it a no holds barred match. That would be great. Yeah. That would be great. Wrapping hey, people have... up in a hammock. <laughs> uh, let me ask this, uh, Jeff, there was one really good question. I'll make sure I get this in before we do anything, but did the, did the documentary film you filmed ever come out? Um, it's company right now. So the hope is maybe February, March. And that's going to be of the Colorado trail, correct? Yeah. Yeah. The Colorado trail FKT there. That'll be awesome. What's the title that of that? Now? Um, it's not anywhere right now. Uh, the title is pretty easy to guess. It's just free outside, free outside. I can't wait to see that. I've been waiting. I've been watching for it. I haven't seen it yet. So I was glad somebody asked about that. Uh, one last comment before we, we start to wind this thing down, uh, backcountry exposure said, you know, if you just strap the wag bag to your waist, like they do with horses in a parade, you'd be fine. There you go. <laughs> I would work. <laughs> I, I would hate to run with that thing on me. Um, all right, guys, let's talk a little bit about how people can find you online because, uh, both of you have some really successful, uh, social media stuff going on. Uh, Jason, why don't you tell people where they can find you on YouTube and Instagram and all that good stuff. Okay. On YouTube, it's just Jason Wish. And on Facebook, I believe it's Jason Wish as well. Yep. And I think that might be Instagram, Jason underscore Wishwell Farms on Instagram. Now, on the uh, YouTube, I noticed I'm going to put this back up here real quick. You got that dash at the end. People need to make sure yeah. that goes in there. So, because I, I, I typed it without that and I got somebody completely different than you. So, uh, wow. Huh. Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> so, um, Jeff, how do people find you, man? I think I'm just at the free outside on Instagram and then without the, the, so just free outside on pretty much everything else. Someone got, got it first. So I didn't add a dash. I just added the, the, I like it. I like it. <laughs> well guys, I'm so glad to have you guys on tonight. I'm sorry. Jeremiah punked you guys out. He actually told me he didn't really want to do this episode anyways. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, <laughs> That's just how things work out sometimes, I guess. I'm kidding, obviously. But uh, 
Thanks for being on. Hang on the green room for just a second, and I'll be back on there to chat with you in just a little bit, guys. All right. We'll see you in a second. Cool. All right, guys. It was a obviously just a great time having those two guys on the episode tonight. I want to say a big thank you to everybody who was on here tonight, hanging out in the room, chatting, leaving hilarious comments about everything. Uh, you guys are the reason we we get to do this. And if you weren't tuning in, watching, and listening online, uh, we would basically, this would be a waste of time. And you guys make it the furthest thing from a waste of time. So thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Uh, next week, we are going to have a guest on we've never had on here before. He's a Georgia native. And you probably know him as Metro on the Move. We're going to have him on here next week. He's actually going backpacking with Jeremiah next week or this coming weekend. And we're going to get him on here, and he's going to tell us just how bad of a backpacker Jeremiah actually is. And with that said, for myself and for the absent Jeremiah Stringer, thank you guys for tuning in. We will catch you on the next one. 